Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An elegant weapon for the more civilized age. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 260. My name is J.J.M. Clark, J. the Jedi Ross Ross. Jedi, J. it is always so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies back here with me in the L5J studio. Kids, I've gone insane. I've made a decision. Uh, Many of you out there might be aware of something called Inktober. And Inktober is when artists do one sketch a day, an ink sketch a day. It's like a 30 for 30 challenge. I have accepted my own 30 for 30 challenge. The National Podcast Post Month. Nay pod pomo. That's right. 30 podcasts in 30 days. Uh, I'm going to give it a shot. They're not going to be full hour episodes like usual. I mean, a couple of them will be. Uh, You can still expect your weekly one hour show. Uh, this one is a bit of an in-between. Next episode, we're going to bring you some New York Comic Con Part 2. There was just a lot to work on, a lot of good chats, but uh, I got some uh, uh, some excellent talk for this evening to fill the gap. And uh, yeah, so all of November, I'm going to be doing daily 15-minute episodes of An Elegant Weapon, and each episode is going to feature a different comic book, or not necessarily comic book, but something cool, music, whatever, uh, a different Kickstarter uh, every day for probably 10 to 15 minutes. I'll chat about something that I think is cool and want to promote. And, uh, I hope y'all come along for the ride 30 for 30. It's going to be cool. It's going to be fun times. Um, Indiegogo's count if you know any cool ones, but I am taking suggestions of course, uh, on, uh, our Facebook page an elegant weapon on Facebook, or you can hit us up on at AEW podcast on Twitter or an underscore elegant underscore weapon on the Instagram. So hit us up. If you got any suggestions for Kickstarters, I've already got a healthy list, so it's going to be fun times. But this week on the show, I was uh, hooked up with this individual by our good friend Jay Fosgett. Tonight I have a conversation with Mr. Gordon Smooter. Gordon Smooter is a puppeteer, and he is the man behind a show called Transylvania Television, which is an adult puppet show. You can find it on the web. Uh, we talk all about it. And we get into it, and we talk all about puppets and Muppets and Jim Henson, and uh, where he learned he used to be a special effects guy, uh, and then he got all about puppets. So you're you're gonna hear all about it. Uh, this is my conversation this week, kids, with Mr. Gordon Smooter. We were introduced by a, a mutual friend, our good friend Jay Fosgett. Yes. How do you know Jay? Uh, I know Jay from, uh, let's see, he hangs with a bunch of cartoonists and, and uh, artists from the Michigan area, including David Peterson and Katie Cook. And, uh, so we met through conventions, uh, comic conventions, uh, but Jay and I have a pretty similar sense of humor, so we, we kind of got on pretty well um and uh i've actually i've made a couple of puppets for for jay in the past 
and uh, just characters that he had designed. And so, um, when I was looking to promote Transylvania Television for our new our new episodes, uh, I just kind of threw it out there, and Jay said, "Hey, I know a guy." So then you came up. Very nice. Yeah, he tends to toss my name around a bunch. So, uh, but uh, it's it's good. It's good. It means he likes you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's definitely it's a good thing because uh, it leads to lots of interesting conversations. But I mean, Jay's, you know, Jay and I have certain similar likes. But it, you know, this whole puppet thing has been, you know, it's been like a in a way a new world for me. Like, obviously, I grew up. I was a kid of the '80s. And, you know, we grew up with the Muppets, and that was just part of life, you know? It was just part of the staples of our entertainment was Sesame Street and the Muppet Show. And, and Elf in the 80s. Absolutely. But as far as, you know, all our all our movies were full of Muppets and puppets, yeah. and it wasn't something we questioned. It was something maybe we didn't appreciate now that, you know, the tides have turned and, you know, maybe the medium isn't quite as popular as it once was. I'm glad I was at least of a generation that got to, you know, I can look back on these memories and now as an adult especially actually really appreciate what went into the craft, you know what I mean? And Jay's, Jay's been a huge, huge help with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he is a big puppet fan and uh, I'm glad for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He, uh, uh, he's, he's helped us out on several occasions doing cartoons of our characters uh, just for promos and things, um, so that was actually pretty wonderful of him. He's uh, a he's a very generous uh, individual when it comes to his yeah. talents and his skills, and uh, I can attest to that. He he has the certain habit of liking to draw me, especially in in some of my more candid moments. And uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, it was fun actually. I just spent last weekend with Jay in New York City for New York Comic Con. Yeah. And we got to visit the so gym. Jealous. Hey, I hear I heard that a lot. That was the number one thing I heard from anybody who wasn't there. And I gotta recommend mm -hmm. to everybody to definitely go. But we also, while we were there, got the pleasure of checking out the Jim Henson experience, uh, the exhibit there mm -hmm. at the mm -hmm. museum, and that was incredible. Like I, I was excited for it. I knew it'd be cool, but I had no idea just how cool it would be to be that up close and personal with, you know, your childhood memories. And they're exactly yeah. as you remember them. It's like they're right out of the TV. Like it wasn't like, oh, they look different because they're right in front of you. You can see the stitching or see whatever. No, they, they were them. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, those characters were just sitting there just as alive as they've almost ever been, you know? <clears throat> Very cool. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to New York to see that one. Um, the one, the one place that you do want to get to if you ever have a chance is, uh, the Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta. Um, they have a huge, huge collection of not only Henson puppets, but puppets from around the world. And it's just, it's pretty amazing. Their, their, uh, their displays are pretty, uh, above and beyond. I, I really, I really enjoy that place. Yeah, that definitely sounds very cool. There's a lot of good things to see if uh, if you head down to Atlanta. That's just another one to add to the list then. But uh, yeah, I imagine there's a whole much, like obviously, you know, you know, the Henson universe being so huge, you obviously go to those thoughts first, but especially knowing Jay and getting to know his friends and you see how big this world actually is, 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 that's been a cool experience too. I know the Jim Henson exhibit also has, uh, I just want to mention this because I remember there's also a traveling version of the show. 
mm-hmm. that's going around. And I just want to mention that for the listeners. And kids, if you do get a chance to go see that, uh, at least the pieces I saw. You know what the coolest thing I saw in the exhibit was? Was mm-hmm. his headband. His, oh, yeah. His, yeah. Mic- his hippie colored microphone headband <laughs> was it was next to kermit in the exhibit it's oh. one of the first things you see and that sure. that really blew me away that was that that symbolized like at least symbolized to me like seeing behind the scenes of stuff you know when you're mm-hmm. young and you first start to see see behind the scenes of movies and things and that that was a big representation so how did it start for you how did puppetry enter your life um Boy, it's been there as long as I can remember. Um, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, if you latch onto puppets as a kid, and this, this seems to be pretty universal. You latch onto puppets as a kid, and then when you hit your teen years and your twenties, it, you know, puppets become, oh yeah, well, I'm too grown up for that. And, and then later on, it comes back, you know, you, you, uh, uh, for me, I, I you know, it, it never really left me, but um, I think it really came back when I started uh, picking up some of the techniques that they used for making puppets and starting to play around with that myself. Um, I worked as a special effects artist for 25 years, and somewhere in there, I don't recall exactly when, um, we had done a couple of industrial films with puppets. And, uh, that was where I really started picking up, you know, knowing how to work with the materials and that sort of thing. And, uh, just looking into that and getting, getting to know those processes, those techniques and and developing those talents really kind of just opened it back up for me and, and, uh, made me start thinking seriously about it as a career. Um, and then I, I retired from, special effects, uh, basically just because I'd had enough of having that ulcer and, <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, decided to go into the, the crazy high finance world of puppets. So, so, um, uh, so how did that begin with the special effects for you? Was that kind of right out of high school? Did you, did you just start working in the area or what, what kind of training would you go about getting for something like just hopping into that? Um, it's really funny because when I, uh, when I graduated from high school back in 1984, by the way, um, <laughs> um, I quite literally spent an entire year after graduation living at my mom's house and building models. And that's really where that started. Um, I'd been into building models as a kid, you know, my entire life, you know, put together your X-Wing fighter or your Millennium Falcon, right. you know, whatever. Uh, but um, I spent a lot of time honing those fine detail skills. And then I didn't get a job in special effects right away. Um, let's see, I ended up working in a banner factory. Uh, I worked in retail. I did. A, I worked at a toy store. I worked at a game store. Um and, you know, lots of other stuff. And, and plus I worked many, many hours, uh, for my family's business, which was a catering service. So, you know, I, I did everything. I, I you know, are you a good I, cook I, then? Uh, I am a crappy cook, <laughs> but uh, my, my wife is the cook. She, she, Jennifer takes something out of the fridge and, and turns it into magic. 
Oh, uh, that's a wonderful before, thing to have. <laughs> before I know what's gone, you know, on, um, I can do several things. I can make a Reuben sandwich. Um, <laughs> they're good. That's, that's, that's a good thing to have on your, you know, under your belt. That's basically sure. my one big, you know, that's, that's my talent. I can make a Reuben sandwich. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so, uh, eventually I ran into a guy who, uh, uh, just so your listeners know, I'm actually from Minneapolis. Um, and, uh, um, I've, my, my career in special effects was in Minneapolis, is in Minneapolis, has been in Minneapolis. I don't know. It's, time is confusing. Um, and, uh, as you might guess, there aren't a lot of sci-fi movies being made. in. Yeah. Minneapolis. Well, I was going to ask what exactly is the film industry like in Minneapolis? Um, used to be much better. Um, and then all of the incentives were. Uh, eliminated and so films stopped coming here and started going to Canada. Uh, however, sorry, uh, you might sorry about that. <laughs> that's all right. That's <laughs> totally all right. Um, Minneapolis is actually a big advertising town. Okay, so we have a lot of advertising firms here, and I did a lot of work on TV commercials, uh, a lot of work for still photography, and of course, this was back before digital retouching. So. Everything that we built as a specialty prop for a still photo, like, you know, they're going to make a magazine ad or something. Right. Uh, everything that we built had to be perfect. There was no retouching it in post. Right. Uh, you know, it, if they were going to retouch it, it had to be like airbrush work. and That's you know, great. All, that, all of that crazy stuff. And uh, so eventually, um, eventually I became a dinosaur. And, uh, <laughs> they, they started, you know, the ad advertising agencies, uh, started instead of having a specialty prop made, they would go to, you know, whatever photo service and would get a stock photo and manipulate that photo in, in, in the, in the computer right. and build, build their campaigns around that. So, um, when I did, when I made the switch over to puppets, it was, Pretty much with the blessing of my wife, which, you know, I'm still uh, amazed over, uh, mainly because she was like, you know, you're really not making any money doing the prop thing anymore. <laughs> you might <laughs> so, as well chase your dreams if you're going to be broke anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know, you might as well, you know, if, if we're, if we're going to be destitute, you might as well be happy and destitute. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but I do have to say we still, we still haven't lost the, lost the house and, you well, that's good. That's good. At least you still got your roof over your head. Uh, yeah. you know what that makes me think of is, uh, I don't know if you've seen many of the Star Wars behind the scenes photos of them doing the matte paintings and stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah. there's, uh, sorry? Harrison Ellenshaw was one of the, I, the big matte Okay. Wars. I don't know. Uh, well, this was, uh, matte paintings being done of the stormtroopers. And I remember seeing pictures of someone hand painting each individual little stormtrooper one by one. You bet. And I just remember looking at that and thinking, my <laughs> God, that's just the utmost patience is so required for sure. that. But once you get into the zone, if that's something you're made to do, like obviously you're someone who likes to create things with their hands, you know, you like to yeah. physically put those things together. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it just makes me think of that. So, you know, it is, it, it's hard in a way because, you know, digi digital in one way, it enables us to do so much we couldn't. Yet, yes, it, you know, the cheaper, quicker process takes away from these incredible hand done skills, you know? 
Well, that was back at a time when all of your special effects were done optically, and they were combined by, you know, literally mating up different pieces of film right. and running them through an optical printer. Um, they, optical printers are now just big, giant boat anchors now. <laughs> they, yeah. <laughs> they, they, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if any house in Hollywood has an optical printer anymore. Um, mainly because the digital is, is just so much cleaner and so much, you, you eliminate so many things. It's I'm one of, one of my old jobs, I used to work for a graphic arts studio and I ran a stat camera. Now, stat camera is the thing that you use to make a negative of your original artwork so that it can be reproduced um, photographically. Okay. And uh, that, that, that negative would be used to, be, to make a printing plate to print your artwork in whatever color. Right. And uh, that's all gone now. That's crazy. <laughs> the, the, those, those stat cameras, those are, are ancient history. And, uh, you know, if, if anybody out there has a stat camera... Um, I don't know whether you should save it and put it in a museum or just dump it. Well, <laughs> it's, you know, it's um, funny you say that too. Uh, when, uh, the, the Henson exhibit is in the museum of moving images. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we also toured the other, you know, that whole section of the museum and it's just huge, you know, huge giant clunking clunkers of equipment everywhere that are ancient cameras and televisions and monitors. And, and I don't even know what a lot of things, a lot of these things did. They were just like tubes and, you know, tape reels and stuff. But it was, it was insane to see what went into having to just film a moving image, never mind Mm -hmm. special effects, you know, like it's, it's insane. The evolution of the technology. Well, even up through, uh, like the 1970s, uh, television stations around the country were still running what they called kinescopes. Right, right. Which were essentially 16 millimeter movies. And they, you know, their equipment was designed to handle a 16 millimeter movie. Um, I have, I have episodes of, uh, HR Puffin stuff oh, on 16 millimeter. <laughs> and those are, you know, I, 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 I grew up, okay, I'm, I'm older than you. Okay. So I grew up. I grew up with H.R. Puff and stuff and the Sid and Marty Croft. Yeah, okay, what's the deal? Okay, so the Sid and Marty Croft, sometimes I feel like people who are into puppets like that stuff because they're puppets and stuff, and it's like an Mm -hmm. obligation because I I don't get it. I don't – it it was so creepy. Like all that Croft stuff was so creepy. Was it not? Am I just too young or – Um. See, it's like like looking back at – Let's, uh, have you ever seen any of those, like, old, like, even turn of the century, like, Halloween pictures? Or, oh, even better, Easter pictures, where they had these, you know, like, like an Easter bunny costume, but it was obviously a guy in a jumpsuit with, like, this really poorly fitted oh, yeah. paper mache face, and it just looks creepy. Right, right. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing you're experiencing when you look at, <laughs> Okay, I see. I see what you're saying. I, you know, I would try to watch it as a kid, but be- I just didn't understand it. And I, I, it's of a different era, and yeah, uh, sure. there was a different mindset. Um, you know, I, I always run. I'm a big Sid and Marty Croft fan, and I always run into people who are like, "Yeah, they were such. They were so on drugs, and they were like." And uh, Marty, the, the the older or the younger brother, um, always says, "We were not on drugs." 
we were not on drugs. You cannot make a television show on drugs. <laughs> and uh, but you got you got to be careful. You have to parse out what he says. <laughs> right. He says we were not on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so at least one of I, them was I, keeping the ship sailing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I think I think Sid was pretty baked and uh, came up with Sigmund and the Sea Monsters and and. Uh, all that stuff. I, I might have just been a little too young to follow it too. I just I I couldn't get the story and you know it was yeah it was just some weird interesting stuff. But I should I don't know maybe I should try it again now that I'm older and maybe I would uh, maybe appreciate the, it a the, little more. Maybe you have to kind of cultivate a little bit of uh, an appreciation for that whole Peter Max visual style. Um, and uh, I mean, do you want to? One of the funny things that I happen to know about H.R. Puffin stuff is that it was based, the original spark of the idea for H.R. Puffin stuff was based on Patrick McGowan's The Prisoner. Okay. <laughs> was, the Prisoner was all about a guy who's a secret agent. He was trapped on this island. He couldn't get away. Every time he tried to get away, there was like this thing that came up out of the water and kept him on the island. Um, the, the, the writer, the guy who wrote all the episodes... Uh, Lenny Weinrib was, he was a voiceover guy and he was the original voice of Scrappy Doo. Okay. And he was also the voice of Prince Lotor on, uh, Voltron. Wow. But this guy, um, I saw an interview with him once and what he said was, uh, got called into Sid and Marty's office. I sat down. They said, okay, here's the deal. We want you to write this series. Okay. We're going to, we're going to go to series. We need scripts. What can you give me? He says. Then and, and uh, the the uh, Sid and Marty go. Okay, uh, there's a dragon, <laughs> and there's a witch, and they're chasing each other around. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they gave him. And he he said uh, I was totally lost, had no idea what to do, and so he went home that night, and he just happened to flip on the TV, and it was the prisoner, and so he was like, okay, this is a really good concept it's got lots of legs you 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 know you you've got uh uh for our show we can have like a little boy who is trapped on this island and he can't get away because there's a witch and you know his friend is the dragon and you know blah 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 and so that's where he came up with that concept now the thing is is everybody keeps talking about how you know oh the shows they had all these drug references and all this kind of stuff but it's like lenny weinrib was probably if you ever saw Lenny Weinrib, you would know there were no drug references overtly in that show. I mean, there were, there were, you know, he was using dialogue of the era in the sixties, late sixties, but, um, you know, there were no conscious drug references simply because he didn't know any, right. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was like this middle-aged guy, schlub, you know, just, he's a writer, he's a voice guy. And, uh, you know, I mean, that was, that was his thing and he was just doing a job. I think so, uh, it, it seems like a lot went on like that, you know, in the late 70s and stuff. Stuff was created that seemed like they were doing it intentionally because they were on drugs. And whether they were or not, you know, yeah. it was just a certain mindset. And some whacked out stuff came out of that era, you know, like yeah. whether pub. Did you ever watch uh, Dr. Snuggles? I have never seen Dr. Snuggles. Dr. Snuggles was a cartoon, and it might have been originally, like, Finnish or something, but we got it here in Canada a lot. And okay. it was this basically this old man professor, doctor guy, Dr. Snuggles, 
who built a wooden rocket ship and he and his badger best friend would fly up to the clouds and drink tea in the clouds with a camel. Okay. And it, it, I loved it. I thought it was great because it was, it was super happy and super colorful and the theme song was great for a little kid. It was awesome. But the older I got, the more I'd think about it. And, and when I think back to it now, it was just the craziest thing. Like literally they'd fly to the clouds and drink tea with this like yep. really posh camel and <laughs> like, you know, nothing made sense, but we loved it as kids, you know, it's, uh, you know, it was also a time when things like Sesame Street could be more simpler and just have little ridiculous skits where over the years, yeah. I understand it's had to change and evolve and grow with, you know, society and times, but mm -hmm. you know, it's gotten so educational, like, right. It was so simply educational when we were kids. It was like a, your ABCs, your one, two, threes, your pleases and your thank yous and that yeah. kind of thing. And then as it well, grew, it's, it has to deal with crazy stuff now, right? Yeah. But you know, you don't, you don't get the, you don't get the classic Ernie and Bert sketch type stuff anymore. You know, yeah. Ernie, basically the Ernie and Bert sketches were, um, how to behave with other people. That was what was being taught. Right. You know, and Ernie was always teaching you by negative example. And that doesn't, that doesn't play anymore. You know, I mean, people just don't get it anymore. People take negative example as positive example and, and they end up, you know, behaving badly, um, thinking it's funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, um, when people tell me they think that, uh, the Croft stuff is really, really weird. Um, I always tell them, if you want to see something really, truly bizarre, you have to look up a show called Gimme Gimme Octopus. Okay. <laughs> which is a Japanese show that defies description. It is that bizarre. <laughs> what the fuck, Japan? <laughs> yep. yep. And, and it was made exactly the same time as H.R. Puffinstock. So, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an era thing. It, I mean, it was the Japanese... They were just going to outdo the And this was puppets <laughs> and stuff. Uh, no, this 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 is a, a it was a Japanese show called Gimme Gimme Octopus. But it was it was just live characters then, live people, or was it? Yep, okay. yep. It was no, it was it was big costumes. Oh, okay. Big costumes with big cardboard cutout trees and you know all that kind of stuff like HR Puff and stuff. Only it was made in Japan, and the main character is this absolutely um, uh, amoral. Uh, crazed octopus character who, I mean, quick example off the top of my head. There's an episode where he like is force feeding his friend, the walrus and the walrus is eating all this stuff. And then give me, give me octopus punches him in the stomach and makes him throw it up. What? <laughs> Just like terrible, terrible stuff. Yeah. That's you know, definitely least... an example of odd behavior. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's weird, but um, yeah, things got simpler yeah. at least than as the '80s came around and puppets began to, you know, really step up from being puppets, especially when they, you know, especially the movies that started coming out and what you know Jim, yep. Jim started doing. Uh, so for you, when you decide to put the special effects aside and you know try out this puppet dream for real. Is it, had this already been a hobby, so you had already been learning how to make puppets, or did you really have to, you know, you know, dig deep and learn the proper techniques, or was it trial and error? 
Um, there was a lot of that every, every bit of what you just said. Um, the, the, uh, you know, I, I had made a couple of puppets. Um, I had been looking into the techniques. Um, and I mean, I, I had done some puppet stuff with the company that I was working for. Uh, but I had never, you know, I, I didn't recognize that I needed to turn it into, uh, a business until, you know, those, those times when, uh, finally the, the, uh, special effects work was just kind of dried up. Um, so yeah, I, it was, uh, <sighs> yes. <laughs> well, I guess yes. it's not the kind of thing, like once you sit down, you actually learn to make your puppets and you put that time in. It's not the kind of thing where you can just go out and get a job puppeteering so easily. Like, I, Absolutely you know, I can't correct. imagine there's not, you know, there aren't just jobs and jobs and jobs for all these, you know, touring puppet companies or whatever you might do. You know, obviously your kind of dream would be to work for Henson as just the puppeteer somewhere. But other than that, you got to kind of be like, okay, I can't just make these puppets. I've got to make characters. I've got to make a story or a way to present them or, you know, some sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, things kind of started coming together. Uh, shortly after, I mean, I, my wife and I like to go to science fiction conventions, um, and comic book conventions and things like that. And we had been at a show and there was a young man there who had, was in the middle of making, uh, his own science fiction movies, making an indie, indie sci-fi movie. Um, looked like a lot of fun, the stuff that he had already done. And so after his presentation, I, I, I talked to him, I said, look, you know, I work for a special effects company. I can build all kinds of props. Um, if you need something, let me know. And I ended up being, after that, I ended up being fairly heavy, heavily involved with his production. Um, you know, my wife and I did costuming for him and built props and all kinds of stuff. And uh, so after that wrapped, um, he was over at my place, and I had a couple of puppets sitting around, and he was like, so did you ever think about doing anything? with the puppets i'm like of course i have but i'm not a camera guy i'm not a sound guy uh i'm not a lighting guy i'm not a grip i'm the puppet guy right <laughs> i need all of those other things in order to do the puppet thing you know on film and uh so we just started working developing um the, the there there are two main characters in transylvania television which is our show. Uh, right, right, right. For those of you listening, <laughs> the show is called Transylvania Television. Um, there was, uh, there's, there's a Yeti character, which at the time was just kind of a generic monster character that I had made. And there's a vampire who is, uh, he's got kind of pointy ears and, and, uh, he's very Nosferatu like. He's not a, he's not a, uh, a Lugosi type of vampire. He's, right. he's more Max Shrek kind of looking vampire. Um, and, uh, so we, we had these two puppets and we were like, let's build something around this. You know, uh, Michael Hegel is the gentleman I'm talking about. He ended up being uh, my production partner on Transylvania television. Um, he's written a lot of the material. He's directed almost all of the material. Uh, he's also edited quite a bit of the material. Okay. And, and, uh, he's also written music. <laughs> Jeez, all hands on deck, eh? Yeah, yeah. Right so, uh, but uh, through the contacts that he had, and through the contacts that I had working in the special effects, um, we managed to assemble a pretty darn good crew of people who 
I am very, very proud to say that uh, every time we call, they show up. That's great. It's and, nice to have and, people who care about what they're doing. Yeah, and and I think it's we try very, very hard to maintain. I mean, everybody there is a professional, and they all know that they have work to do. But they also know that there's a lot of fun to be had there. Right. How many other puppeteers are involved? Uh, let's see. There is Charles and Jeff and Laz and myself and Michael, who is also a puppeteer. Um, Troy. <laughs> of who, course he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, there's Troy, who is uh, our, our, our DP. Um, Director of photography. Sorry, um, the, uh, the the term DP means something very very different in, <laughs> in the porn industry. In certain um, circles, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, and then there's uh, Renee, who is the one female puppeteer we have, um, who has come to us uh, much later. Uh, we've had several female puppeteers throughout the years. Um, female puppeteers are hard to hard to find, and they're hard to hang on to. And right. <laughs> uh, our first female puppeteer was Liz, and she ended up moving to New York and working on Sesame Street. Oh, <laughs> and, she, and she is. And then she moved to L.A. and is writing for a living out in L.A. Um, our next female puppeteer. Who did she? she uh, sorry. Do you know who she did on Good. Sesame Street there? Would we know who she performed as? Um, she actually worked in the puppet shop. Oh, she uh, built and stuff. Right on. Yeah, so she was she was a, a puppet wrangler on Sesame Street. Right on, right on. Um, our second female puppeteer was Amber, who uh, really was she was she was a good puppeteer, but she was a much better cartoonist, and so that's what she's doing now. Oh, right um, on, right on. Uh, so there's uh, uh, certain yeah. scenes where you've got like five or six puppets on screen at yep. the same time. So yeah, I'm just curious how many people are actually back there, you know? Um. I think at any one given time, uh, the, the maximum number of puppeteers we've had was like eight. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, did I say Jeff? I think I said Jeff. Right. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, well, that, yeah, that's cool. It's tough. So, you know, you've, you've moved on, you've started making your puppets and, you know, you've mm -hmm. met Michael, you've got this whole idea, everything going on. Uh, performance wise, how do you learn to perform puppetry because the one thing I've noticed from getting to play with Bodie a lot, which, you know, is mm -hmm. Jay's Bodie troll puppet and, yeah. you know, watching a lot of what I've, you know, seen since hanging out with him is, mm -hmm. uh, the Muppet performers have a certain control that like the really good ones where the, it's a slower performance. It's a more casual performance. You can tell they're more comfortable in the role of the, of the puppet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's something yeah. that I've even been able to, to point out. And it was one of the things I noticed uh, when I was watching uh, Transylvania and stuff was, you know, the, the, you've got some good puppeteers there. These are people who are no joke, who are obviously comfortable, you know, with the puppet well, on their hand. We, we have been doing it for quite a long time. Um, so I, this, this year was our 10th anniversary. Uh, from our first production, which, uh, very nice. shot. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, the first thing we did was a half hour pilot episode. Um, 
we took that half-hour pilot and we managed to air it locally on one of the VHF stations or UHF stations here. Um, and then we had no money, and so we moved to the Internet and started doing sketches on the Internet. And all of our sketches on the net were these little short vignettes, little, you know, jokes and gags and stuff like that. And um, we did two, uh, I'm air quotes now, web seasons. Um, <laughs> and then we started in on web season three and realized, you know what, we need something big. We got to have something that's going to draw attention because just another web season is, you know, maybe people are going to watch, maybe they're not. We need something to promote. So uh, what we did was we did a Kickstarter and got enough money to put together a one-hour Halloween special for grown-ups. Um, and that is that that's something else too to be mentioned about the show. Um, our show is not a kid show, right? One of the things that Jim Henson fought for his entire career was getting adults to be able to sit down and watch puppet entertainment without the crutch of having a child with them. Uh, and I, I think part of that is just because adults are cynical. Um, adults are also very paranoid. Uh, uh, psychologically, we don't like it when someone puts over something on us. That's embarrassing. And so in order for us to suspend our disbelief, um, we don't like to do that for silly things. We'll do it for, for, uh, you know, a car chase. <laughs> right. Or we'll, we'll do it for a, a fist fight or we'll do it for, you know, a, a, a war battle. But, uh, you know, if it's, if it's puppets jumping around telling jokes, you know, that's kiddie stuff. We're, you know, we're a little too sophisticated for that. Um, but we need to get over it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, unfortunately, I think cartoons changed as far as The Simpsons brought about this adult cartoon thing Absolutely. that has stuck around for 25 years now. And that seems to be where, you know, people went to cartoons because, you know, you can be adult, you know, a bit offensive, a yep. bit edgy without, you know. There's South Park, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And you can do this and cartoons are a little easier to take than maybe, like you say, you know, puppets jumping around and stuff. But, you know, there's obviously some sort of connection left uh, as far as, you know, recent stuff like the Muppets, like Jason Siegel's Muppets. That touched a lot yeah. of hearts, you yeah. know, and that was something that adults could easily sit through and enjoy whether mm -hmm. a kid was around or not. I'd like to think at sure. least that's still in our hearts. But in general, I see what you're saying. Like, it, it, it's a hard thing to pull over these days, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the one thing that I've noticed, um, people keep trying to do puppet properties for adults. Um, however, they they seem to be mired in a very specific puppet thing. Now, Greg the Bunny was one of my favorite shows. And their device was that puppets are real and they live in the real world. Um, but basically it was, you know, every joke was a handhold joke. Um, you know, it, it was, uh, the adults in the audience were like, you know, yeah, we're going to make fun because they're puppets. It's like, well, I would really rather watch something that was having fun because it was funny as opposed to, you know, the limited range of jokes you can get out of, you know, oh, you're a dirty sock and that kind of thing. Right. Um, right. Uh, I would rather 
that the puppets be the medium instead of the message. Um, now, I know that the Henson Company is in the middle of producing their own production of, I think it's called The Happy Time Murders. Um, and this is essentially, uh, it's a combination of Roger Rabbit meets Greg the Bunny. That sounds great. Uh, so you've got, um, you know, puppets are real, they live in the real world. And, uh, you've got the, basically the plot from Roger Rabbit, which is, um, uh, you've got a, a human detective whose, uh, sibling was killed by ostensibly a puppet. And so they have to team up with a puppet detective to solve the mystery. And, the, you know, I mean, that's yeah. straight out of rock. Um, that sounds fantastic. I, <laughs> I you know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to watch it. Absolutely. Um, I, I hope it's good. It's got, uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy in it. Oh, right on. Good for her, given that, so, given something like that a go. It sounds original. Yeah. It's fun. It's something we need to go back to these days. It was, when we were at the exhibit, we went to, uh, we got to see a live podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. we got this, which is, uh, a newly discovered show for me. I really enjoyed it. But basically, they, they pulled the internet to pick the five best Muppet episodes. Okay. And uh, the winner was Harry Belafonte. Oh, of course. And after the, that... And that's because of that one musical number. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And uh, although it was, the entire episode was good. But then we all sat there in the theater and watched it. And everybody, you know, I know it was particularly uh, slightly biased because they were all Muppet fans to be at this event to start with. Mm-hmm. But I was there... With a 22-year-old girl from Ireland who has never seen a single shred of the Muppets. Wow. And when I turned to my left and watched and looked at her watching this, her eyes were as big and bright as they could get. Her mouth was agape, and she was just in awe of what was happening on the screen. And she thought it was like the greatest, most awesome thing ever. And, I was and like, now she's gonna have to go and find all the rest of those episodes. Well, that's what I said to her boyfriend there. I was like, you know, you got a mission now, fella, right? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was joyous joyous to watch her have that reaction, you know. And I hadn't I haven't watched an episode in years, and to sit down and watch that with people in a theater was it was yeah. a really cool experience, you know. It's it, it's still there in our hearts, I guess, as Jesus that sounds, you know. Well, there's a local theater here in Minneapolis that every so often they will pull out a 35 millimeter copy of the Muppet movie. Nice. And we'll run it. And just watching that on the big screen again is absolute magic. I mean, it it is it is so even after all this time, it is so fresh and so clean and so beautiful, um, so sunny, you know. Right. Right. And, and so upbeat. And unapologetically so. Um, that was one of the magical things that the Muppets could do is, uh, uh, and they, they could, they could be sappy. They could be, um, you know, uh, just absolutely joyous and they never ever felt like they had to apologize for it. Right. Right. And that's, uh, they just that, owned that's it. <laughs> that's important. They owned it. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's one of the things I always talk about <laughs> the, uh, Transylvania television. We are a comedy show. Um, I, I don't, um, early on in production, people started coming to me and saying, well, how about doing this song? 
And my first, the first words on that subject were, we will never do a musical number on Transylvania television. Right. And I'll tell you why. Because the Muppets have already done it better. There is abs, I mean, there's a chance with just comedy <laughs> that we'll right. be able to make people laugh. Right, right. But if we, if we did a musical number on our show, everyone would suddenly go, yeah, you know, maybe the Muppets probably would have done that better. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, you run the risk uh, when you have something I, that so dominates the genre like that. What led to the decision to make it an adult show? Um, that was mostly me, I think. Uh, I, I, at the time we started doing it, I was just, you know, late thirties, early forties. So it, it was kind of like, you know, kids have enough puppet entertainment. Kids, kid, that's everything. Everyone expects puppet entertainment for kids. And, uh, I keep running into grownups, adults that I, you know, I see at conventions all the time. And the first thing that they say when they see that my t- table is covered with puppets is, yeah, I really miss the Muppets. And I'm like, <laughs> you know that they haven't disappeared, right? Yeah, they haven't gone you anywhere. <laughs> and, and they're like, no, but I miss, you know, I miss that, that feeling of the Muppet show and, you know, that kind of thing. I'm like, okay, what you're missing is the nostalgia. Um, what you're missing is the way that those things made you feel as a kid. Right. Um, we have an entire generation, more than one generation, of people who have grown up and saw... Uh, we, we know how to relate to puppets on television. That's, that is now in us. That's, that's part of our uh, national consciousness. Right. And uh, it's like, well, why, why don't we just do that? Why can't we have that? You know, why, why is that something that should be just reserved for kids? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and I tell you, there, there's, there's, uh, when, when a puppet swears, it's funny, but it's not funny forever. When a puppet does a really good, um, joke that only grownups are going to get, that's funny. And that stays funny for a long time. Right, right, right. Because it was always more most fun. Like if you'd see like uh, one of the Muppets, you know, in prime time or like on a talk show or something, say, and they'd be a little more, you know, edgier than usual. That was always the funniest stuff, you know. And people yeah. and adults always used to love to see that stuff, you know, because the jokes were a little more inside, you know, a little more risque from time to time. Would is a ventriloquist considered a puppeteer? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It is. It is. It's a almost completely different type of puppetry, but yes, um, puppetry is is simply just taking an inanimate object and making it appear alive. That's what the base definition of puppetry is. Right. Uh, and uh, it's kind of funny because I, I I get requests all the time. You know, I'll, I build puppets, puppets for people. You know, I, I, you know, I'll take on clients and I'll build whatever puppet they like. Right. Uh, except, uh, with a big caveat, I don't do replicas of famous television puppets. <laughs> In fact, I literally got a request for a famous television puppet ten minutes before I came on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you um, can't do. Well, I guess. 
I see. I had that. I was at Niagara Falls Comic Con this year, and, mm-hmm. and I honestly I can't remember the the company's name or the individual, but they had a massive setup. And a lot of really cool original puppets, but half the setup was what they called Jim Henson tribute pieces. And, you know, they looked great. That's, they... di- that's super dicey. That's, uh, that is, uh, uh, okay. I, I have, I have arguments with people on the internet all the time about intellectual property rights. Right, right. Something I hear about in the comic world all the time, right? Like yeah, printers yeah. and you know filter artists and stuff, right? Splatter prints. But, you know, people people go off about you know oh well you know people are doing you know stormtrooper outfits and everyone has a stormtrooper outfit and Lucasfilm doesn't say anything about it. It's like well you know that falls under what they call healthy fan activity. It's promoting the property. They aren't making money on it, right? Um, and and it's it is enhancing everything that the company does with the with that intellectual property. Um, let's just call it what it is. If you're copying a Muppet, you are infringing on that intellectual property, and that intellectual property is currently owned by a very powerful mouse who wears short pants. Yes, a mouse you don't want to mess with. He has lightsabers um, now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and the thing is, is that it, there are there are many, many puppet makers out there. All of the puppet makers who are really professionals will not make you a replica of a famous Muppet character. They just won't. Right. Um, the uh, seems to make um, sense. Like it's some, no, it's somebody no. else's work, right? Like, come on. Right. But here's the thing. The Hanson Company um, doesn't mind when someone makes, you know, someone really, really wants to make a Kermit the Frog. Okay, great. They make a Kermit the Frog for themselves. Right. And that goes into their puppet collection, and they learn from that experience. You know, they find they find out, you know, this is how I sew this, and this is how I make this seam, and, the, and that kind of stuff. It's totally cool. Um in fact, they kind of enjoy seeing those things because, you know, it, it's it's an homage. Um, unfortunately, there are people who will make copies of the Muppets and will sell them for thousands of dollars. Um, I happen to know that there was one who got a cease and desist from the Disney company. And uh, because the Muppets, uh, in their entirety are no longer owned by one entity. Um, this guy is still making copies of Muppets that are owned by the Jim Henson Company or owned by Sesame Workshop. Yeah, it's just not cool, man. If you have that skill, why wouldn't you want to be do something original anyways, right? Like, you figure if you become a master puppeteer, it's kind of a waste to just make a puppet somebody else has made. Like... Create your own puppet. That would seem like the right. the the genuine thing to do, you know. Like well, as a as a flat artist, um, you know what do you, what do you do? Right. Do you do you do you copy other people's artwork and sell it? No, you don't. Um, you know that's it's or you try and get kicked out of the convention, which I've <laughs> right, seen exactly. happen often, yes. right? So yes, you know how do you feel about this? Uh, uh, 
I don't want to get too into, you know, throwing names out there and stuff. Let me see how I can put this with, because, okay, there's these guys, <laughs> there's these puppeteers in, in, in the area that I'm in, and they have this little show, and it's fantastic. These guys are uh-huh. really, really funny puppeteers. Now, the puppets are their original characters, but are made from, I can't remember where it is, but Jay told me about it. Fozzie said it was like someplace you can go and make your own Muppet. Like, Oh yeah. That was the, the, um, I think it was through, uh, through FAO Schwartz. You could get a, right, get a, right, a, right, right. A quote Muppet made. Um, now if the, you go and have your own original character made at a place like that and then use that character, in whatever your little skitter show is, where does that fall under for you? I I think that the I think that the, the the licensors from the Muppet people were expecting that kind of thing to begin with. I would think uh, so. It bothers Jay a bit, which I completely understand his side of it too. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as I go, uh, you know, when when someone pays me to build a puppet, um, if I'm building it specifically for their purposes. Um, you know, I charge them a lot of money and they are capable of doing whatever they'd like with that puppet. Right. Uh, you know, I sell what I call, uh, table puppets. Uh, you know, I'll go to a convention and I'll have a table and I'll sell puppets across the table. Um, every one of those puppets gets a little slip of paper with it that says, you know, this design is owned by me. Right. Um, if you decide to use it for a web series, that's great, but... If someone decides to pay you to make a web series, you need to come back to me and talk to me about that. <laughs> now, that's that's a character you've come up with, like right. fully your right. idea. What if someone comes well, to you? Well, no, that's, their... it's it's the it's the puppet design. I don't I when I'm selling stuff across the table, I don't put, a, you know, I don't put a character with it. I don't name them. Okay, those aren't commissions. They, those aren't commissions. Those aren't then. those are not commissions. Okay, sorry, that's where my confusion was. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that's that makes sense because those that's your original work on the table, of course, right? Like, yeah. You know. So you know those those designs belong to me, and and I'm you know I'm selling them as a product. Right. But uh, you know if someone takes one of those puppets and uh, creates a character around it and gets a you know a contract with uh, you know Netflix or something to do a, 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 a series with that design yes. they need to come back to me and negotiate for yeah that because... that's not cool man <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it is cool it is cool oh yeah it's, hey, it's, it's cool for money, everybody but, but absolutely they, you know. they best come back and talk to you in that situation uh, i just want to pop back to the performance part of it um sure. how difficult was that for you to learn to do that when you were the guy who's you know always been the the fx guy the set builder the you know the model builder the prop builder and now the puppet builder uh, now to have to actually learn to perform these puppets, like where and how did you go about that? Um, did a lot of live theater stuff when I was young. Um, I've done voiceover work. Um, and, uh, the, the puppet thing, particularly for, um, doing, doing camera work, when you're shooting something on film or on video. Uh, there's always what we call feedback monitor. And that is just a monitor for you to look at that shows you exactly what the camera is seeing. Right. Because when you're underneath the puppet, 
you have no clue what your puppet is doing because <laughs> it's over your head. Right. You can't, you can't tell. Um, so you have to be able to see what the camera is seeing. And then, uh, the, the, the big complexity there is that what you're looking at is backwards because you're seeing it from the camera. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Oh my God. Oh, when you turn right, your puppet turns left on camera. Oh God. <laughs> or actually, they, when you when you turn right, your puppet turns left on the monitor, and so it, it's it's difficult. And people ask me, you know, well, what what do you liken that to? And I I tell them it's like backing a big tractor trailer truck down a long winding driveway <laughs> using only your rear view mirrors, while having a conversation with your passenger and reading the newspaper at the same time <laughs> because that's really what you're doing. You know, you're, you, you have to, you have to interact with another character a lot of times. So what do you do? You Take have, a class? Like, um, you can, uh, there, there's a, actually there's a great, like, what did you uh, do? <laughs> what did I do? Yeah. Um, I bashed my way through it, uh, just learning on the fly. And this was on uh, some, Transylvania television? You were just like... Let, um, let. Actually, no. It was uh, a long time ago. I tried to do a children's show called Rex's Room. And Rex was a little boy raccoon who would come home after school every day and have adventures in his room. Um, and uh, he was joined by his toy robot and uh, his uh, uh, computer monitor uh, who would talk to him and uh, also the dust monster that lived under the bed. Nice. <laughs> Fetch that was so the a whole, great puppet. <laughs> the the whole that well, uh, Fuzzball was the name of the monster, and she was, uh, she was a hyperactive dust monster, and so her family would kick her out from under the bed because they just wanted to lay around. So right. <laughs> so Fuzzball was hyperactive, and she, you know, it was fun. It was it was a it was a cute thing. We we shot a pilot. Um, I think that pilot never actually got edited to a completion. Um, but just that, you know, just learning from that was pretty good. Um, after that, uh, uh, oh, well, you know, there were, there were the, uh, uh, the industrial videos that I did with the special effects company I worked for. Um, so there was, yeah, there was practice in there. Right. Um, did you have like a mentor know, of any kind or? Um, not really. Right not on. really. You just, it's it's a matter of developing that muscle memory. Um, being able to think on both sides of your brain is crucial. And you know, some people just you know they can't they just can't pick that up. Um, a lot of people will you know take to it right away. Uh, some people it's kind of like flipping a switch, and you know they get it suddenly they'll get it right. and you know it'll then it'll work. And then some people just have issues with it the entire time. It's almost like music, whether you're playing a piano or the drums, yeah. where you've got to have two different things going on at two different times. And it's like, oh my god, yes. like yeah, and, absolutely. And yeah. Muscle memory plays a big part of it. Um, you know, there. I mean, I I know that when I'm puppeteering on screen, I go between paying attention. You know, in in my head, I go between paying attention to what my hand is doing on the end of my arm inside the puppet. And what's on the monitor. And I'll use them. To, I, I never rely entirely on one or the other. And I will use them to inform each other at the same time. Right. It, it's, it, it can be really difficult. I mean, and there are times when, 
you just have to throw caution to the wind and stop looking at the monitor and do what feels right. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it can be very difficult. Um, you know, and, and the, the new episodes that we just finished, uh, several months ago, we came back to shooting Transylvania television after about three years off. And it felt really good. It felt really natural. But then I went back and I looked at our dailies and I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> you know, by the, by the time we wrapped the first, uh, by the time we wrapped our Halloween special, um, we were like really cooking, like I mean, right in the we, zone, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we were, we were in the super zone <laughs> and, and then we just stopped <laughs> and then we put it all away. And, uh, you know, was that so, just to do other things or, um, we, we just kind of, we'd kind of run out of steam. Um, you know, this, this big Halloween, this one hour Halloween special was far more intense than doing our cute little sketchy sort of stuff. And, uh, so it was, you know, instead of shooting like a little, you know, three minute joke, we were shooting 48 minutes of contiguous story. Right. And so continuity was huge and just all the stuff. And it was, it was a lot of work. You know, you can get away with all kinds of stuff if you're just shooting like a, a little comedy sketch. But when it all has to move together and your characters, you know, you're, you're, you're going from scene to scene, you know, emotional flow and, you know, motivations and all the stuff comes into it. Uh, when, you know, before it was just, oh, I'm going to say the, the, you know, I'm going to do the setup and you're going to do the punchline and then we're going to do another punchline and then we're going to do another punchline because we just can't get over it. And <laughs> right, right. And, uh, so. Yeah, we were, we were pretty exhausted by the time we got done with that. And, uh, um, actually, you know, and, and now that I think about it, uh, once again, time is confusing to me. Um, after we had done that, um, we went through all the promotion of it and got it on a local television channel and then we put it on DVD and, you know, now it's available on, on, uh, Sika.tv and Roku and, um, but, uh, after we did that, we were approached by a local editing house. Uh, I had a friend who was a producer there, and he came to me and said, you know, you guys got all this material. Did you ever think about editing, like, half hours, making half-hour, you know, comedy shows out of it? I'm like, yeah, that would be awesome. Who can do that? <laughs> or nothing. <laughs> and he said, well, we have new equipment, and we are trying to train in people on this new equipment. So... The best way to train them is to give them something actual to do. So, oh, that's worked. a huge score, man. Yeah, that was like that was like seventy thousand dollars per episode of editing. Oh my god, three. Yeah, that's crazy. And and so uh, that was very nice. And uh, so we ended up with five half hours. But when we were, we would call through all of our old material. You know, we'd look at all the old sketches and go. How do we arrange these? How do we put them into some kind of cohesive order in a half an hour so that people just aren't totally, you know, you know, it just doesn't look like a junk drawer full of stupid jokes. Right, right. And uh, we realized that there were some sketches that were just 
so badly done because we were so quick about them that they needed to be reshot. And then we also realized that there were bits and pieces that would work to bridge some of these things together. And so we ended up shooting some new, right some new stuff for, for the, for the new episodes. So, you know, that was, that was essentially the last thing that we shot, uh, until, you know, several months ago when we pulled the castle out of the storage unit. And, <laughs> um, so that's the format you're going with then this time? They're going to be more uh, half hour episodes and. Yep. They're, they're, almost all of them are mostly half hour. I, uh, um, I don't know the running time of all three episodes. Um, because we're, you know, we, we wrote to match a half hour and that never really works out. Okay. Right. So, you know, you, you end up just cutting stuff and, and, uh, uh, so you, you know, you end up with less material than you, you thought you were going to have. We have ended up throwing some of our really old material into these episodes. Uh, you know, uh, Michael was looking at things and going, you know, that sketch wasn't very bad. So let's put that in there too. Let's get that in. Sure. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, that, that worked out pretty well. So I think all of them are close to a half an hour, probably in the, tw- 24 okay. to 25 minute mark. Are you in the um, process right now? Are they done? Are they ready? Or um, in production they are still? Currently, they are currently in sound sweetening. Okay, right on. So, uh, the music is being added and the levels are being checked and all that kind of stuff. And we, uh, a couple weeks back, we did all of our voiceover stuff that we needed to do. Um, we had shot an entire weekend and uh, we lost the sound. Ah. Because, I mean, we had all the image, but, uh, when we were downloading, um, th- it was the first, it was like the first weekend, uh, we're downloading, didn't realize that the sound files were a separate file from the image files. Uh. <laughs> so all the sound disappeared. And so luckily we had been doing a, like a live, uh, feed from the production. So, uh, we literally oh, hey, said, nice. And let people watch us all day long shooting puppets. <laughs> if it had come down to it, too, they are puppets, so you could have voiceovered a lot of it, no? Yes. Yeah. Um, Thank but that's God kind of difficult. for puppets. <laughs> it, it, is, it is difficult, though. Um, the, the best thing about doing puppets is that when you're performing, you're really performing. You get a lot of um, very subtle kind of delivery and stuff. Well, that's what I was saying before, sorry about the performance, is how you, you see a really good puppet performance is very slow. It's very mm-hmm. controlled, and it's 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 no quick jump, you know, head-bobbing movements. It's no, like, blah, 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 blah. It's very right. calm little nods and shrugs <laughs> and just patience, right? Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the things... Um... I happen to be, you know, I, I, I love listening to other puppeteers talk about the craft, uh, particularly television puppeteers. And, um, in, in any case, as, as a puppeteer, um, you know, you always, you always hear things like, um, you need to keep the puppet alive. That character has to stay alive. And it's true, but people will misunderstand that in performance and they'll say, oh, movement means it's alive. Right. So they'll, and so they'll like, t- they'll just do stupid movements that don't mean anything. Right, right, totally. And it's okay 
for your puppet to stand still. It's all right. The thing is, is that it, it, it isn't keeping it alive. It's keeping your character thinking. Yes. Yes, I get that. Yeah. Because that's what it's about. That's that's what's giving the audience the idea that this thing is alive, is that it has volition on its own. And so, um, you know, if you keep the character thinking, you don't have to jump around. You don't have to quiver. You don't have to shake. You don't have to, you know, fiddle with things. It, it's just, I mean, it's literally breathing. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, I know. But, yeah, I totally hear what you like mean. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so... Um, when you watch a good puppeteer, you will note that it's it's really not what they do, but what they don't do. That's what I've <laughs> that, learned. That separates yeah. them. Absolutely true. It's it's yeah. I've definitely learned that, and you see that in Transylvania television, and it's some some definitely some quality work. I also really enjoyed Vermin. Oh, thank you. Uh, I... It was funny. It was really funny. Who's the one puppet? Cool. The uh... With the tinfoil hat. Oh, that's Roz. Roz. That was yeah. funny. And they had their little exchange there. The one joke that really got me was, uh, uh, oh, yeah, what's the square root of nine? And then I think it's... Roots Ro- aren't even... Nines aren't even plants, <laughs> uh, <yeah>. smart guy. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. that was a great line. <laughs> you know what, what's what's funny about that joke is I... Um, Okay, the, the scripts for Vermin were written by guys like me. We're in our, you know, late 40s, early 50s. And so we got concerned that maybe some of the jokes were a little dated. And so I ran it by, ran it by a, a 20 year old that I know. And he was like, yeah, you know, this is, this is all pretty good, you know, except, you know, there's, there's this one line where the guy calls the other guy a smart guy. That's that's like that's really old. That, <laughs> that, that make that makes it sound really dated. I'm like, oh, okay. I just told <laughs> Fozzie last weekend in New York that he he like talks in cartoon and he talks in Muppet because yeah. he will use these old timey sounding terms for things. <laughs> he drew a cartoon of me and him. <clears throat> Excuse me, and. uh it's a cartoon of he and I in New York, and mm-hmm. I'm an arborist by day. Uh, okay. I'm a tree climber by profession, and yeah. uh, I get very excited when I go to new places and I see the trees there, right? It's, it's something yeah. I notice right away. You know, they're everywhere. And I, I was noticing these very nice uh, sycamore trees, and I was surprised mm-hmm. how well they were growing and how big they were and where they were growing. Stuff, you know? So Jay's cartoon is him pointing up saying, Jay, hey, Jay, look at the Empire State Building and me looking off at a tree saying, uh, what am I saying? Gee Willikers, this Appaloosa Peckerwood is a real humdinger. <laughs> and the line is a Canadian arborist in New York. But I'm like, <laughs> he gave me like like humdinger, Appaloosa Peckerwood. <laughs> That's funny. You know, that's so, funny. yeah. See, these... see, that's exactly, you know, exactly it. And and it's it's one of those things where Jay should really just wear a pork pie hat and a flowery tie. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> oh, it's, it's good um, stuff, oh, though. Uh, um, just, just in case your, your listeners didn't know, um, Vermin was another show that I did. Um, Transylvania Television is 
Uh, all uh, for grownups, it's a it's about a vampire who starts a TV station. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, Ver- you know what it made me think of? Sorry, uh, it's to me it's a cross between. Uh, obviously, you know it's you, you can't not say the Muppets because it's a puppet show, but sure. it's uh, SCTV with a, a cross with the hilarious House of Frankenstein or Frightenstein. There you go. It, I. I I completely accept that. Does that make sense? Because that's what <laughs> I got when I was if watching. We, if we were, if if we were that good, we have we have surpassed any goals that we possibly. It reminded could. <laughs> me of both those things. It's sketchy and fun and insane in a way mm-hmm. that it's also kind of it's about a television station, so it's got that SCTV part to it. But then yep. it's Transylvania. It's all monsters and horror, and it gives you that insane sense of comedy kind of like the hilarious house but then they're puppets yep. and it's it's a fantastic mix i really enjoyed it <laughs> that's terrific yeah one of the one of the things that we used as as kind of a template very often was sctv but also wkrp in cincinnati okay totally totally and yeah it, that wkrp had that really just fantastic ensemble cast yeah and the characters and stuff, and we we kept we kept talking about the possibility of bringing some kind of Herb Tarlick character in, you know, like a station salesperson. Um, but we never got around to it, and that's one of the things that I hope that we get to eventually. Um, uh, you know, I, I there there are so many other monsters that we don't have that we could be using. You know, we don't have a werewolf yet. We don't have a gill man yet. We don't have uh, uh, you know, we don't have a ghost yet. Um, right. You know, we, we don't have a Jekyll and Hyde character. We don't have, you know, so many other things. Um, and, uh, you know, well, get building, guy. man. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the easiest one of those to build would be the invisible man. Um, <laughs> you know what? You should just have the hand wires and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Just two wires actually, waving actually around. Actually, just a naked arm. Just a naked arm <laughs> yeah, moving totally. to us. Um, yeah. But, uh, Sorry, um, you were saying about Vermin, though. It's not uh, quite just yeah, so Vermin. adult, right? Yeah, Vermin Vermin was specifically designed to be a little more family-friendly. Um, and uh, it, it's uh, Vermin is about rats that work in a testing lab as their day job. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, uh, we were lucky enough to have, uh, Mr. Trace Ballou from Mystery Science Theater, uh, who was the original, uh, Crow T robot. And he was also, um, Dr. Forrester on Mystery Science Theater. Right on. Back in the early days. Um, and, uh, he was, he's our scientist guy on Vermin. Um, he also, and, and this is, this is, uh, playing into the, the new Transylvania television episodes, he does some voiceover work for us on the new TV TV episodes. Oh, very fun. So um, keep, keep an ear out for that. You'll recognize him immediately when you, <laughs> <laughs> when, when you hear his voiceover work. Um, so uh, the details then. When will, details. when will these episodes be ready? Where can people see them? How can people see what's been done, where it's going? Feed the information well, to the kids out there. Well, here's the thing. Uh, there's a new streaming platform called Sika.tv. That's S-E-E-K-A dot TV. And if you go to that website, there's a little button there 
right away when you when you land on their first page <clears throat> for Transylvania Television. There's a bunch of other web web shows there too, and I encourage you to watch those. But I encourage you to watch Transylvania Television first <laughs> <laughs> and foremost, <laughs> and foremost, yeah. and many times. But, um, our current catalog of episodes is there already right now, and you can go and watch those anytime. Now, Sika.tv also has uh, a Roku channel. So if Roku works better for you, you can go through their Roku channel and watch all the same programming. Um, it's free, uh, and it's great stuff. So um, because they're new and they want to compete in the local area, in the, in the new, uh, new media market, they need original programming. And so uh, they gave us a couple of bucks, and we produced three brand-new half-hours of our show. Um, for specifically for Sika.tv and that will be exclusive to them for six months. Uh, and, uh, then, you know, we become free agents. Um, oh, that's kind of a cool deal, deal, you know. However, however, if things work out, if we do boffo numbers, if we get all kinds of downloads and they get their, uh, investors in line and that kind of thing, it's a possibility we might get funded for a full season and that's funded like really funded right right real money to produce a real show industry rate kind of you know oh, production man i hope that works out for you kids you got to get out there and watch transylvania television go to sika.com and do it up and it's TV. free sorry tv sika.tv and it's free, you say, as well. You don't, yes, it, it costs is. nothing to sign up for this. So that's a very rare thing these days, especially when it's getting nuts out there. It's $5 here, $9 there. You know, you it all adds up. So, uh, you know what, kids, support something like this because it's the kind of thing where not only do we need to keep this medium alive because it's fantastic, but the skill and detail and passion that goes into something you know, that once seemed like simple, silly little puppets, it's so much more, you know, and, and look into it, kids, don't just live off your nostalgia of the Muppet show, you know, <laughs> like, see the new movies, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Muppets Most Wanted, but I really thought the Muppets, uh, Jason Siegel, the way he brought them back was genius, I thought that movie was just off the rails fantastic, and, you know. Well, the, the way my wife describes that film is, they did an excellent job of taking all the Muppet fans by the hand and saying, okay, you know that Jim is gone. We need to keep moving along. So let's take you by the hand. We're going to go over here. We're going to have some good nostalgia. We're going to tell you a story. We're going to give you the feels. And at the end, everything's going to be good. And they did it. And, you know, even, even, even down to the fact that the one thing you got to remember is that the Muppets can never win. <laughs> right, right. That is intrinsic to them. They will, they will never actually win. It, it's, it's, you know, someone has to be nice to them, or they win by serendipity, or whatever. But the Muppets will fail, <laughs> and then things will still work out. Right, right. Because that, that's part of their. That's part of their thing. Totally. I really enjoyed the show, too. The new Muppet show, the television, the talk show mm. when they were doing... Not the talk... That was the old one, the talk show. This was just more of a... Yeah. 
a staging <clears throat> thing, but uh, well, it was kind of like The Office with the Muppets. Yeah, which I kind of enjoyed. I thought it was, uh, you know, I, I, you know, whether that's the thing that works out. I hope they keep trying things like that and uh, keep well, keep experimenting. I got a couple good laughs. You know, I got a couple good laughs out of that. Um, I know pretty much all the guys who worked on it. Uh, well, I know many of the guys who worked on it. Let's put it that way. Right. I, and I know right now there's one of those guys sitting out there. I don't know you. <laughs> but uh, well, uh, uh, he, yeah, it'd be I, I really he was listening to this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really hope that that uh, I really hope that they just embrace the whole kind of variety show thing again. Yes, yes, totally. You know, you know, just do and, the Muppet and, Show again. Just the, the funny thing is, literally everybody says, everybody says, you know, the variety show is dead. And I'm like, but we're watching variety shows every week with America's Got Talent. So you think you can dance? Uh, you know, this is this is these are all variety talent shows. Oh, they're totally back. It, yeah. And and uh, you know, just 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 do that again. Do the Muppet Show again. Yeah. I mean, Disney Disney owns so much music. You know, they, they the uh, part of the reason why they haven't released. The, the extra seasons was is because Disney doesn't own the music in those seasons. Right, getting, right, right. Getting the rights to, I think I to, heard to that. Release, getting the rights to release that music is a pain in the butt for Disney because everybody knows they're Disney and is like, oh well, you know, you're going to pay me a billion dollars. Um, and you know, but but also you've got musical rights that are tied up because of you know the artist has passed away or it's you know it's owned by somebody else now or another corporation or you know just on and on and on music rights just is a bowl of spaghetti that is terrible <laughs> and the, and and the fact is disney can't recoup their costs selling dvds because dvds are pretty much on their way oh out. yeah that's done that's done you know all <laughs> yeah. they could hope for is uh when they get these streaming services up online is that you know the muppet show is on one of these services and they it brings yeah. in a few people to watch you know yeah you know so it's you know it's very very difficult um but you know disney has such a huge catalog of not only music but of talent as well that they could pull to do a new muppet show and that's what everybody wants. <laughs> oh, totally. Especially when you see these shows like Full House and Will and Grace and all these shows yeah. being brought back that never quite had the impact of the show, like The Muppet Show, in, in, a, in a long-term way. Like, a lot of people are like, didn't that show just leave, you know? But The yeah. Muppet Show, imagine a resurgence. And it's not like... You know, you need to recast or, you know, bring back old people. They're Muppets. They're, they look exactly the same. You could do it literally exactly if the same, can, but with new guests if, and stuff, right? If they can bring back the tick, yes. they can bring back the Muppet show. <laughs> Just the way it was. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree 100%. Um, uh, Gordon, uh, we're reaching the end of our time here, but uh, there's so much more. You're going to have to come back. Well, that was you just you just had a Scottish minute there. Oh, it, it happens all the time. It, sometimes <laughs> it flows out and I don't even notice. It's what happens when you're raised in a household of toffee-eating Scottish women. Um, occasionally it just slips out. But, uh, yeah, there, I know we could talk about this for hours and hours more. Sure. Um, but I, I, I do enjoy your work. I'm going to enjoy getting hey. to know it even better. Uh, kids, you have to check out Transylvania Television. Uh, Sika.tv, 
Uh, also, if you can check out Vermin, it's out there uh, in, the, in obvious on, uh, places. On YouTube. Yeah, it is on the YouTube. And even a lot of yourself, I realized, was on YouTube. Uh, yeah. You know, that one time <laughs> that... Uh, who was who that character that met uh, Puppet Rick? Uh, this oh, would have been was, several years ago. That was furry. That was furry, I think. No, it was uh, Cesario or... Uh, oh 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 um yeah yeah it was uh, uh um <laughs> cicero cicero, cicero right cicero. right right that's uh you know that, that's the other guy yeah. yeah a lot of little yeah. fun uh youtube videos on there of gordon and various con uh you know appearances and uh panels and how to puppet build and stuff like that yeah. uh i found it very cool and again i'm sure we could get into so much more uh uh, on this subject uh i love the muppets i love puppetry in general and i've just been getting so more re-inspired by the whole thing because of things like getting to play with Bodie and having seen oh, yeah. this exhibit and jay's passion for you know just the history like that guy is an encyclopedia of hence and knowledge <laughs> and it's and it's oh, yeah. it's crazy but uh, I, I so have to hand over my appreciation for keeping this kind of thing alive and uh, thank you for doing what you do because uh, we need more of this. People forget how funny that a, a simple puppet show can be. I mean, they were made hundreds of years ago to entertain adults as well as children, you know, political yep. puppetry and stuff and the old, you know, play boxes and the old cobblestone roads and stuff. So... Uh, you know, it's uh, this is an ancient medium of story and joke telling. So kids, can help keep it alive, especially with people doing fine work like uh, Gordon here. Gordon, thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope to have you back, sir. Thank you for having me on. This is this has been wonderful. Very very cool, kids. That's all we're gonna have this week on an elegant weapon. Take it easy.